morning. morning. Boy, are you glad to be here? You are ready to go. Get into the word, right? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Before we get there in a second, I just want to reiterate what we're doing here. Everything, God, is for you. We want this worship service to bless your heart, God. We want you to smile down from heaven with 100 million angels that you created, God. Just praise and worship going on all that. We want that in our life. Would you just help me thank you, our praise and worship team, just for doing such an amazing job. All of our folks in the back, thank you. Tireless hours that you guys work to make sure that, you know, our worship experience is all about God. If you're here a guest with us, we are so glad that you're here. And I just want to say I'm so, so glad that you're with us. And just want you to know that everything we do here, we don't want anyone to get any credit. We want him to get all of the glory. So it's always all about him. Um, so we're in Luke 2. So make sure if you have your Bibles, get in there. Uh, if you have your Bible app, you can open up. If you don't have any of those, that's okay. We're going to have the scripture on the screen in just a second. I just want to announce just a couple of quick things. want to get them out of the way, but they are very, very important. One, you may have heard, we have Christmas Eve services next week, 5 and 6, 6.30. So these little um, gifts have been given to you. There are hundreds of them. You can take as many as you want. And I've just found... You know, I read some statistics lately, especially with everything going on in the last two or three years, that 50% of people who come to a Christmas Eve service are far away from God or not connected to a community of faith. And so I just want to encourage you, these are great little invites. You just never know when you just genuinely, people that you have a relationship with, hey, I would love for you to come to one of our Christmas Eve services. I'll sit next to you, I promise. They won't bite you, they won't do anything. And just for people to experience the true meaning of what Christmas is about, and you just never know, you may help someone step over into eternity because of your heart, your genuineness, and just inviting somebody on Christmas Eve. So we'll see you here. Also, um, these are just given to you in the seat back in front of you just to take some notes. I found for me, anytime I listen to a message, I want to get something. God, if it's one thing, God, from you, I don't want to be able to write down and take some notes. It just helps me to remember it. And most of all, it's in my heart. So that's provided there for you. Also, we just want you to notice here the um, QR code in the corner. And that is easy for you to receive everything that happens here at MVCC. You can get connected to the app. We have an MVCC app. I'd like, if this is your home, I really want you to download the app because all the info is just readily available right there anytime you need it. And then also um, our website, mvcchome.org, a lot of the stuff that's going on is plastered on there and you can catch it. Here's the thing we're asking everybody to prayerfully do. Um, if you, this is your home, your spiritual home, I just want to ask you to prayerfully consider a year-end special financial gift to Mission Vale Christian Church before the end of the year. And if you have any questions about that or getting on the app or anything, Pastor Brian will be back in the corner there at the tables answering any questions and helping you to just get savvy with getting online with everything at MVCC. My wife and I personally and our entire ministry leadership team here, we do reoccurring giving. And that just means everything's online. We do everything online anyway. And there's a couple of good reasons that we do it that way. One is, it's just a given in our household, we give first to God. God, you are awesome, we love you, and we're just giving to you first. The second thing is, it does help us here at the leadership, if you give online, and especially reoccurring giving, then it's already done. And then we can start to plan for next year all the incredible things that we believe God wants to do here to reach more people for Christ and help you to grow in your relationship with God. So I just want to um, make sure you know about those things. They're very important. And the very last thing is, how many of you buy things on Amazon? I came home last week, I think it was a Tuesday, and literally there were like nine boxes on my doorstep. And I, oh, cool, they must be for me. And my family goes, no, they're not for you, Dad. They're for people that we bought for. Here's the deal with Amazon. 
is that you have, if you can hook up to Amazon Smile, it's easy. You just do it. It takes seconds. Bezos will donate 1% of everything you spend to Missionville Christian Church. And you just put on there, Amazon Smile, put Missionville Christian Church as your nonprofit that you choose. doesn't cost you anything. 1% of everything, I want to say it again, 1% of everything you buy on Amazon, it's so easy, helps MVCC. And we want to get there with the gospel. Our vision is really, really clear. Reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ and to make disciples who make disciples. And we want to help you grow in that. So it's all for God. Amen? Amen. I was with a, you know those family moments that sometimes you have their family vacations or a meal or there's just kind of a special, special time with your family that you will never forget. Maybe with parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, whatever. Um, one of the special places that we went to as a family and still go up there is Big Bear. I love Big Bear. I just, there's something about it. Maybe it's because, you know, my parents had a cabin there when I was a teenager and we'd go up there. But my favorite time is this time, the winter time. And my boys were about nine and seven. We have two boys, Michael and Jonathan, my wife, Laura. And we planned this whole vacation out. It was going to be just epic. And so um, we ha- at a time, I had a big uh, GMC four-wheel drive truck. I love trucks. So we got the truck, loaded everything up. We have a golden retrieval in the back, golden retriever in the back seat. The boys are in the back. And as soon as we start hitting the mountain, you know, the slide of the mountain, all of a sudden, it starts snowing. You know, it's just one of these, you're just never going to forget it. And the boys were little. And I remember, we, you know, I pulled up the moon roof, and the snow's coming in. And we're driving through the snow. It's like, yes, this is amazing. And so we get up there again situated in the cabin about you know it rolls around to about 11 or 12 at night somewhere around that time and so you know we're on vacation so where do you guys want to go for dinner we're gonna eat dinner at midnight and they immediately both said Denny's I'm like no not Denny's if you guys want to go to Denny's why do you want to go to Denny's because pancakes at midnight dad so we go in there and get situated in our um little cubby there you know the little place where you eat your food and so um my boys saw over from a distance and I know you've seen this thing it's the game called the claw. Have you seen it? The claw comes down, you maneuver it. In fact, I brought a, this is a picture of what those look like. And so the claw goes down and you try and get the toy, right? So my, my little guy, Jonathan, he's like his dad. He's all over the place. So he's a problem child. So anyway, he's just like, dad, we got to do this. I can win it. I know I can. And I heard my son, my other son, Michael, older, who's very practical and very matter of fact, he says, Jonathan, you will not win this thing. You are not going to win it. You are going to lose. You're going to waste your money. Don't do it. So he says, Dad, Dad, we're on vacation. Dad, Dad, can I do it? I said, yeah, it's okay. Take a few quarters. So he goes over there. And as I leave, I hear, or as they leave, I hear Michael saying, don't do it, Jonathan. Don't do it. He's putting his hand over where Jonathan's hand is in his pocket. Jonathan, don't. You're going to waste your money. So they walk over. And I watch now out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching them do this. And Jonathan is like, you know, with the joystick. And he's, he's going for the for the uh, 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 Buzz Lightyear toy. He wants to get that thing. So I could see the claw slowly going down. He's maneuvering it just perfectly. And then I saw the claw come up with nothing. Nothing, baby. Three times he tried. And then the tears, right? The little ones. Remember those crocodile tears? And as I went over, I tried to console my son and my older son. Jonathan, I told you not to do it. You're going to lose all your money. You know, he just continued on. And I, Jonathan turned around and, you know, I held him and he said, but dad, I didn't expect it to be this way. And I thought about that as I was reflecting just on life in the Christmas story, that I, I bet there were moments that Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, I'm sure that they had moments that they thought, I didn't think it was going to be like this. 
enter in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. This isn't what I expected. I just wonder if there's anyone here today that has those thoughts or ever said those things, even with God relationship with God, those that have stepped into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, have you ever had those moments where you thought, this is not what I expected? <laughs> that, that, that's not wrong. It's, it's, it's part of being human. The question is, how do we see from God's perspective, and how do I get into this place of being comfortable with being uncomfortable with this isn't what I expected, right? I just, I just wonder if there's anyone here that just well, by now I should have been married. By now I, I should have got the degree. I had the picture in my mind that divorce was never going to be in my life, but now I found myself in this situation. This isn't what I expected. And I'm so grateful. I am so glad. My heart is happy that we believe in the God who can fix and use anything that we've ever done in our life to mess something up and God can take it and make it amazing. I want to remind us out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, if you're taking a note, you might want to jot this one down. Paul writes this, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I don't know about you, but in my own life, sometimes I want to make sure I see something and then I'll have faith. I want to see a sign, God, and then I'll move on what you want me to do. You got a picture in your mind of what you thought your life would be like. I want you to hold that picture. My question is this. Where did you get that picture? Did you get it from the world? Or did you get it from his word? So enter in Mary and Joseph in the Christmas story as we unpack this this morning on this whole thing that I just couldn't get out of my mind all week as I was preparing this message for all of us and for me first. This isn't what I expected. Let's read Luke 2, 1 through 3, climb into these pages. So in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own hometown to register. Let's just unpack this for a second. I think when we read the Christmas story, we kind of gloss over these first few verses, but there's a lot in here about God setting the stage so that we would have Jesus Christ in our heart. It's kind of interesting that Caesar, he was the guy that orchestrated all of these background decisions that set the stage for Jesus to be born into our world. First of all was the census. Question I have is why was there a census and why is it mentioned in the Bible? I think there's a couple of reasons. God wanted us to know the context that Jesus was born into. It was chaos. Jesus was born into a chaotic culture. He was born into a godless culture. He was born into darkness, spiritual darkness over the land. And so when Jesus, as we've been studying these last few weeks out of the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus is the light of the world, and he now says, you are the light of the world. Why did he say that? Because we live, would you agree, in the land of darkness. It is so dark. It's, it's worrisome to me. Actually, there's, there's moments that I have of spiritual, call it whatever you want, anxiety. I just feel like sometimes there's these 
this, this, this waterfront that's coming and we're just holding back as long as we can before the whole thing just cascades and we're just like plugging holes with godly values and godly principles. That's the world that Jesus was born into. Why do they have the, 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 the counting of every person going all the way back to their hometown? Well, they needed more money for the government. They needed more money for the military to accentuate the number of fighters that they had. Because Caesar wanted world domination, Rome really ruled the world for a season of time. And you study all this in world history. It was to improve the Roman roads. Pax Romana, some of you are just studying history, you know that that was a key ingredient so that the entire economy of the world would flow because of these roads that were sophisticated and they can get to and fro and make more money. Usually things in the world are about money, aren't they? Sad to say, but true. So it was to connect the entire world. Caesar, Augustus, thought he was in charge. Little did he know as he was strutting across his marble floor and the power that he thought he held in his hands that a baby would be born soon that would be the real king. Caesar may have been ruling, but God was overruling Caesar. Reminds me of Micah 5.2. God orchestrated this so beautifully 700 years before Jesus was even born. There was 400 years of silence between the very last book of the Old Testament and when John the Baptist comes on the scene. It's beautiful how God's timing is so perfect. In Micah 5.2, it actually is prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So Joseph and Mary, when they made this trek, I don't think they understood the full scope that they were literally in the hands of God as God was protecting them to get back to their hometown. He used a census. He used ungodly things to bring about his perfect purpose. And they were so impressed with Caesar's leadership. In fact, his name means Gaius Octavian which means the majestic one. He was so full of himself. In fact, Caesar loved himself that he literally put his face on the coins and on the outer part of the coin, it said, Caesar is Lord. He thought he was a God. I think he was so, so enamored with self. You ever been in the presence of someone who just, they love themselves. They love to hear themselves talk. And so um, that's why this message is gonna be shorter this morning, but he thought he was God. He thought he was God. He believed he had deceived himself so much because ego gets in the way. He thought he was better than everyone else. So enter in now a little bit of that background, Joseph and Mary, who are so, so different, so humble, so genuine, so unassuming. They just were devoted to the one true God. Let's read the verses here four now through seven as the story unfolds. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is not what we expected. I just want you to see just um, what Nazareth is a modern day picture of Nazareth, but you can see it was a, at the time a, a small, quaint village town area with lots of hills, rolling hills. Kind of reminds me of Mission Viejo, Saddleback Valley area, right? And that, this is the town that they had been so familiar with. Catch this, 90 miles they had to go on donkey to get to Bethlehem. Two and a half weeks it took them to get there with no room in the motels, 
Traveling during this time was dangerous. Robbers would often be found to hijack people. Mary did not have her family. She didn't have her friends. No midwife. Joseph's all alone for support. Doesn't have any. There is no gender reveal party on this one, right? They are in a place where I'm sure they're thinking in their mind, this is not what I expected. And then the moment comes. They find a small place, a makeshift cave manger of sorts, in this little town of Bethlehem. Finding their way, still the entire way led by God, Mary lays down and gives birth to her firstborn son. And that moment that Jesus takes in his first breath of life as a baby on this earth that he created, he breathes life into his own lungs as he cries out as a little humble baby. I love what Max Licato wrote in one of his books about Christmas. He said, and Mary changed the very diapers of God. This is not the way we expected it. But this is new hope. Can I just stop here for a moment and hit the pause button? Because this is, this is epic. This is, this is what makes Christmas all about Christmas. This is it. Jesus Christ born into the world. You may be sitting there thinking, well, why? Why couldn't God just forgive us? Why couldn't he peel away the sky and just say, you're forgiven. There's a place in heaven. I'll make it all good for you. You lived your life. I'll give you the best life possible and I will give you heaven for free. Because God is such a God of integrity and character and honor, he has to stay true to his word. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. God wanted us not just to know from head knowledge, but he wanted us to know from our spirit. In Isaiah 7, 14, Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. He didn't just say he's with us, but he promises, I will be with us. So the question is, in a life that's whacked out, in our society that's crazy, so far away from God and more hostile to God than ever before, I've never seen in all of my Christian life so much hostility against the church and against Jesus and his people. What do we do in times like that? We must focus on Jesus. We must focus on the birth. He grew up. He died on a cross. He humbled himself. He willingly laid down himself on the cross. He died there. He bled for six hours. And as they threw a spear into his side, they laid him in a tomb for three days. But that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus had risen. God rose him from the dead. And why did it all happen that way? You and I were stuck in sin that's just the fact it worries me a little bit that churches today in america are worried or scared to say the word sin the fact of the matter is look i want truth i want to give you truth we are sinners we have all done something wrong that's what christmas is all about jesus came to be born that's the way he did it that's the way he was supposed to be so that you and I not only could have the hope of heaven, not I hope I get to heaven, I know I'm going there because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he made a promise in John 1:12 to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, they should be called the sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. Wow. And not just that, but he says, I've given you life, life more abundantly. So here's what Jesus asked. The whole point of Christmas is that he was born so we could, we could live once again. We could be resurrected in our soul. I must believe, I must receive him, and I must follow him. Why would I do that? Because he loves you. It's all about love, man. Ever been in love with somebody so much that your heart hurt? 
that you just, you love someone so much. Guys, when you fell in love with your wife or the person that you're dating right now, or you fell in love with him, whatever the situation is, you, 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 you hoped and prayed for this godly man to come into your life and he came in and you just, you loved him so much, your heart hurt. Those of you that have kids, you know of what I speak. Grandparents, you love your kids. In, in the middle of all their mess, you love them. You want so much the best for them. God's heart aches for you. He loves you. It's not something I have to do. I want to. Because of love. Christmas is all about love. And I know in a package that seems... wasn't supposed to be like this. It's not what I expected. These are some guys we shift over from Mary and Joseph. We get a good lesson from them about trust, don't we? And these are some people that, man, I can identify with these guys. Maybe if you could identify with Caesar a little bit, maybe you come in, think it's all about me. Maybe you're just pride and ego and arrogance and found out, whoa, wait a second, that's not the right track. Maybe Mary and Joseph. I can identify with them a little bit. Maybe not. Hmm. Maybe the shepherds. Let's look now at verses 8 to 20. These guys, to me, I can identify with this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not, do not be afraid. I bring you, I want to change this a little bit. I bring you great news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with angel, praising God and saying, glory to God. In the highest, I wish I could sing like Mark. And on the earth, peace to those whose favor rest. When the angels left and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to them, this is what I love about these guys. They're just raw. They're just rough. They haven't thought about things. They don't think things through. They just go, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem now and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. And they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were, what, amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, watch this, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen were just as they had been told. These are the marginalized. These are the people that are pushed off to the outskirts of society. These are, the, these are those that, that probably wouldn't have any, any, any kind of notoriety and any kind of society at all. These were the throwaways. They were the outcasts. They were the trash of society, if you will. I just think about, you know, the verse that says, all of my good deeds that I try and do for God are like filthy rags. He's not saying that he's, you know, everything we try and do for God is bad. He's just trying to make a comparison. There is nothing you can do that's good to get to God because he is so perfect. He is holy. He says this, I will pour my righteousness into you when you receive Jesus Christ as your savior. Let me pour my righteousness into you. And he does. He is made perfect in your soul. You live the life of Christ 
even when we're on our very best day and on our very bad day. And there are some days that I don't feel very good about myself. I'll be honest. There are some moments I feel like a spiritual zero. I've had thoughts. I do things. I slip up. I go back to the old ways. I go back to the trash heap of what I used to live like, living for me. By the way, anybody get a notice in the mail about the new trash procedures through Mission Viejo? Boy, you should have seen first service to everybody, man. We were all in this together. And I thought, man, I was the only one. It has brought more confusion. We have had three family meetings about this. Anybody have any family meetings to try and figure this thing out? I will tell you that not only was it not clear, uh, was, there was a part of me that was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Don't tell me what to do, right? It's the American way. I made my own way. I'm independent. Don't tell me what to do. I had to go to my neighbor's house, three of my neighbors, and say, what do you think that we're supposed to do with all this stuff? No trash can. This trash can. Don't use a plastic bag. Use recyclables. Put your compost in here. Put it in a little back. Are you kidding me? You're going to keep a bucket with all my food in the backyard? I just got rid of all the rats. They're going to come back. So there was a part of me that really wanted to rebel. And so I thought what I'll do is I'll go through my entire neighborhood and I'll slip something on everybody's doorstep that says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to band together the whole city of Mission Viejo and we're going to discontinue our services with the waste management company. Oh, come on. You're not with me? This section right over here. You guys, you're, you're with me, right? Then I got a hole in myself as I pulled the trash can out to the curb and I smelled the stench from that thing and I remembered... That's what my life was like. And it humbles me to remember the life of Jesus. Even though this isn't what I expected, this isn't what I liked, this isn't what I bought into, this is not the way I wanted it. I trust him. We trust him. Those were the shepherds. They were the trash of society. A beautiful, moonlit night, starry night, clear as the eye could see. I don't know what shepherds do. Maybe they're hookah smoking, or maybe they're spitting into the fire. I don't know what they were doing out there, just in the middle of the night doing nothing. And all of a sudden, bam! And all these angels, we don't know how many. It could have been 10, 20, could have been 100 million angels. Wouldn't you like to have seen it? Wouldn't you like to have been there? You will be there if you're saved. You're going to be there in the heavenly host praising God. Did you know that when we worship God on earth, angels in heaven will worship God constantly, continuously? The book of Revelation tells we're in good company. Their job description, angels were to be the guardians of the galaxy. The first ones, the only ones. They are the protectors. They are the messengers. And catch this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ in Hebrews 1, it tells us that they are here to serve you. They are around you. God is with you always. Let's go to Bethlehem. They didn't think about it. They didn't plot it out. They didn't try to strategize. They didn't try to come up with, what are you doing? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? We're going. We're going to see the baby. Give me that urgency in the church. We need an urgency for God. We need an urgency for what God has called us to be the light into the world. What are we waiting for? The whole world is waiting on us. They want to see an authentic, real Christian. That's why it was so crystal clear to us when we came up with this. What is this all about? What are we doing? Real love on mission. We are real love for Jesus Christ on mission viejo first and then the outer parts of the earth. 
And we gotta be tenacious about this. We have to be so serious about this. I'm not playing around with church. I'm not just coming to a building for an hour and 10 minutes. It's my whole life. My whole life is Jesus Christ. I am all in, all in God with you. How could I hold anything back from a God who loved me so much that he gave me everything. He gave me the very best, Jesus Christ, his son. That's where these shepherds were. They were blessed, call it whatever you want, man. These guys were benefactors of this great news. The question I have for us is, what, it, what was it in Joseph's mind? What was it in Mary's mind when they didn't understand? Why did God allow Joseph to move on his own plan for several months? Why didn't God just give him the message right at the beginning? Why did God let Joseph to go through three months of trying to figure this thing out? I thought about that. The only thing I could come up with is this. Trust. Do you trust me? You got a picture in your mind of your life? All of a sudden, it's not that picture. This isn't what I expected. Can I just say, it's okay. He has the picture. He has the picture. And here's the cool thing. He's already provided the pieces to put together the picture. The question is, am I willing to trust him enough to jump all the way in? For those that are watching online, I just, this might be a good one to put in the chat, maybe discuss a little bit. The greatest hope that you and I would ever know came through the greatest disappointment that Joseph would ever know. I'm sure he had a picture in his mind. I'm gonna build this house. We're gonna have a great life in Nazareth. We're gonna have kids. We're gonna be in the community. And all of a sudden he's trekking 90 miles to a place he's never been before. And after Jesus is born, they go away for two years in Egypt. God is leading them through the whole thing. He must have had the picture in his mind that was rattled. Yet Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, they trusted. So here's some insights out of the text. What are these, these, these truths that come out of this text? They're so crystal clear. Number one is this. I hope you're taking some notes God came through someone who seemed insignificant. I know that feeling. Sometimes I still feel that way. Jesus chose those that understood they were insignificant because he is all sufficient. All he asks is that we trust and jump in and obey. Number two is God came through a situation that seemed impossible. Do you have a situation right now? Have you ever been in a situation? You've been sitting in the hospital room waiting for your loved one. You wanted to get the news. It's going to be okay. You're waiting on the health of a child. You're waiting on something and it seems so impossible. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe someday you'll be there. Here's what I want to say about this. God is the God of the impossible. It was impossible for Mary to have a child when she had chosen to keep herself pure. She did not have relations with a man. It is an impossible thing in man's sight, but God saw that it was possible. God can do anything. And I'm not saying that God's going to do everything we, the way we want it. This is not Burger King Christianity. I want it my way. Those of that are laughing, you are showing how old you are. 
facing something impossible, God can do it. Number three is God came in the most personal way. That's what I love about God so much. He came to us personally. He didn't just set some plan. He didn't just give us some formula. He didn't give us principles. He came through the person of Jesus Christ. God came to Mary. And if Mary were here today, she would be able to say to us, God came to me. Joseph and Mary, they would say, if they were with us today, God came to we. The shepherds, if they were here, they would be able to say, God came to us. This gospel, this great news is for everyone. It's for every person. doesn't matter what country we've come from, what skin color, what, we, what kind of sin or behavior we've been involved in or whatever happened to us. There is nothing that Jesus Christ cannot forgive and put away in our life and lock into the deepest sea, never to be seen again and give us a free ticket into heaven and give us life abundant here on earth. There is nothing too far. You are not too far from God. So here's just some things to wrap this up. Every time I hear a message, man, I, I, God, challenge me, Holy Spirit. Give me something to sink my teeth into. Give me something that I can do out of the things that I've learned. Number one is this. I really want to know, and MVCC, I really want you to be with me on this. Am I able to trust God when his plans look different than my plans? Because I will tell you, there is, a, there is a human element into this that just, I'm out. This isn't what I asked for. This is not what I signed up for. I'm out. I'll do it myself. We may not say those things, but we certainly can live that way, can't we? And secondly is this. I understand that. Okay, trust God, but how do I do that? Practice the spiritual disciplines that are in the Bible. So when the picture of life is different, then I can trust. I, I know that's a long sentence. Please don't leave me here. Just hang here. Mary and Joseph were able to trust and do what God told them to do because they prepared their life. So when the angel came, even though they were afraid, they were ready to respond. Does that make sense? That means it's so important that we are not caught off guard. The enemy is wanting to swoop in and steal your soul. He wants to steal the people that are with you. He wants to take away your family. He wants to do anything he can to conquer and divide this church. Anything that is unified by God, he will do anything he can. That's why it's absolutely vital. The Bible says, guard your heart. Be on your guard. Put the spiritual disciplines into practice. I just wrap up with this. What were the early Christians doing 30 years later, as the gospel of Jesus Christ, after the birth of Christ, was exploding through the entire world, they were fellowshipping together. They got together because they're strength in numbers. Now, that was a very different day than we live in today. They were thrown in jail. Some of them were thrown into prisons all their life. Some of them, were oh, their whole life was taken from them, and they were scared spitless. And that's why they so valued, we've got to meet together because they're strength in numbers. You know when you're going through a crisis, when people rally around you, it helps you. We need help. We need fellowship together. That's why life groups and small groups are so vital to the health and growth of our spiritual walk. They're around the apostles' teaching, meaning they're just simply around the word. I got to get that word and put it on K-Wave. In the morning, I got to get my word in with my coffee. On the way to work, it's on uh, uh, scripture, uh, on my app. Uh, In the evening before I go to bed, I got to get that word in, the word, the word, the word. They broke bread and they prayed together. That just means that they intertwined, they did life together. And it was all centered around Jesus, man. That to me 
God, you've given us enough this morning to go on, and I just want us to sink our spiritual teeth into this. And God, this isn't what I expected, but I will trust you. Father, I thank you for your word, your word, God. I pray that you just even erase and remove me from this, God. I want you to be seen, for you to be glorified, and for your word to be implemented in the hearts of your people, God. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that just, you know, I don't know if I were to die today. I don't know if I'd be in heaven. God, I pray that you open up hearts. This could be the day right now. Somebody, somebody here give their life to Jesus Christ. Make that commitment, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit work in love and tenderness and trusting you, God. We love you, Lord. We give you this time of reflection and remembrance now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.